Blog Talk Radio.
We'd like to welcome you to Africa on the Moon. As your host, Brother Africa, it's always an honor and a privilege to come to your homes this evening where we can speak to the powerful and the powerless. We seek to bring you information so that you can use it as a tool for liberation. That's to help liberate your people and to help liberate humanity from all of the various forms of oppression. Like always on this program, we'd like to invite you to call in and be a collective as we discuss issues of importance to Africa, African people in the world. Today's theme is Africa is the center of the world. We are highlighting some issues and articles that will give you a better understanding of maybe why we view Africa as being the center of the world. And when we use the word center, we talk about being the nucleus that make all things go. So we welcome you again on the 8th of January, 2023, to another episode of Africa on the Moon. For those who listen to this program and those who may be listening to this program for the first time, the way we start our party is to first and foremost introduce you to our political panelists and analysts for today's program, followed by a segment what's going on in your world and the community, and you are welcome to call in to share with us what's going on in your world and your community. And then we go into the major theme discussion around some issues, articles, and concerns as, as it relate, relates to our theme. Africa is the center of the world. Everybody have had a happy New Year's, a happy Kwanzaa, a happy Christmas, any other holidays you may have celebrated. And now we must continue to travel down the road of liberation. There are no time for rest. We must work, work, work till our people are free, until our humanity is free. And even we must continue to work to keep it free. So at this point in time, Brother Africa as your host, we're going to get started with our party by introducing you to our political panelists and analysts. Right now, we'd like to say welcome to Brother Haki from the African Awareness Social Association. Welcome, Brother Haki. <clears throat> Brother Africa, uh, thanks for having me. My name is Haki Kamati Mashoki, Colonel with African Awareness. And of course, Brother Africa, you know my thing is all about institution building. But even prior to discussing the importance of institution building, we have to uh, disabuse people of certain notion, specifically this notion around, you know, fascism can never exist in American society. So what I want to do briefly is, is attempt to disabuse that notion that, in fact, uh, fascism doesn't exist in American society and hope people come to the realization that there's something fundamentally wrong in terms of what's going on in society. In that, in that regard, I'll begin to understand the importance in terms of organization in the community. Anything, Brother Africa. Check this out. Now, elements of fascism are already deeply embedded in the political landscape, colloquially called a system. 
Like his predecessor, the Nazi regime in 1933, changes to national security law have adopted dystopian laws to maximize the level of injustice, oppression, and death to sizable portions of the U.S. population, particularly the poor, Africans, and other ethnic groups. Parallels between the Nazi regime and contemporary U.S. political orthodoxy are too striking to dismiss. Utilizing Roger Griffin's three stages of fascism, the parallels between the U.S. political establishment and Nazism lays bare the correlation between the two systems. First, the rebirth myth, where Hitler promised a more powerful and prosperous future for pure Germans, provided his dictates were followed. In the U.S., make America great again employed tropes like working hard, similar to the past. America's worsening economy could improve with benefits to those willing to work hard or believe in capitalism. With President Reagan's slogan, Make America Great Again, existed prior to, of course, uh, Donald Trump, failed to mention the structural limitations that prevented attainment of wealth by those workers whose productivity increased while their wages fell. Nor were deindustrialization de- 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 or jobs relocated abroad ever addressed. Secondly, Hitler's embrace of ultranationalism, meaning the superiority of the Aryan people, is well documented. But in the U.S., ultranationalism is expressed as popularism. Populism. Populism by no means expresses the long-held compassion by the masses who have fair wages, affordable housing, or jobs, but rather a legitimized expression of powerful elites defining for the public what the wealthy considers notable objectives to be pursued, namely their pockets. Thirdly, the level of decadence employed by the Nazi regime to maintain power saw state-orchestrated killings of Roma, Jews, Africans, all the while destroying its economy by engaging in war against its population that ensured the country's demise. In the U.S., similar strategies took hold and are currently available to be weaponized against ethnic or religious minorities. There's no question economic dislocation or factors moving abroad have inflamed class antagonisms as well as ethnic antagonisms, and U.S. elites are aware. aware. Residents acknowledge that economic strategy of relocating jobs abroad have been profitable for economic elites, but while at the same time has accelerated America's economic decline, strategies have been employed to continue the economic decline or malaise of the U.S. economy. Content to ensure the top 1% continues to benefit exclusively, this strategy has been augmented by laws advocating mass incarceration of discontents like socialist, Antifa, and black identity extremists. Under the National Defense Authorization Act, like the protective custody of the Nazi regime, individuals can be summarily rounded up and held without charges. Now, while this, these elements highlight the outcomes of fascist state policy, it does not entail the psychology or social variables of fascism. For purpose of clarity or processes, in the U.S., factors leading to fascism must be explored. In the context of the U.S., the level of violence is unprecedented. This level of violence correlates to the level of environmental stressors that devalues human life, i.e. lack of food, shelter, jobs. Resistance toward acknowledging the culpability or or blameworthiness of systematic inequality has resulted in a perverse use of violence to resolve what is essentially a problem of human need. Policies advocating stand your ground or arming teachers as a solution to curtail shootings at schools seems badly misplaced. Clearly, individuals engaged in shooting children do so for notoriety. And the question for me is, what statement are they sending? 
at its most basic level, the mental health challenges of such individuals should compel the state to ask itself, to what, if any level, does the state facilitate such actions? Now, violence used to protect is one issue. But what happens when violence is directed against the very children society is entrusted to help? In the U.S., between 2017 and 2018, over 700 elementary-level school children were arrested by police. By 2019, these children, ages 5 to 10 years of age, were arrested 30,000 times, handcuffed after being thrown to the ground by police. List of the offenses committed by the children were issues like having autism, talking back to teachers, tapping pencils on the desk, or wandering the halls. Arrest of these children is compounded by the fact children with disabilities, emotional or psychological, are documented, and despite the documentation, these children are four times more likely to be arrested by police in school. Ironically, despite the enrollment numbers, African, Latin, and Native children accounting for class size are disproportionately arrested by police in schools. The notion that children are being characterized as expandable makes it much, much make it that much easier to paint the them as enemies of the state, justifying both repression and incarceration. In further considering the evolution of fascism in the U.S., the level of state-sanctioned violence is key parameter in assessing the growth of fascism. How and when violence is used by the state gives us an indication who our America perceives enemies. According to the Washington Post, an email was sent to the number two official of the FBI explaining, many FBI agents do not support arrest of the January 6th insurrectionists. The reason being, many agents equated the January 6th insurrectionists with Black Lives Matter protests. Speaking of faulty analogy, this is, this is very, very bizarre, but to, to conflate protests against police brutality and police killings to preventing the state from carrying out its function of peaceful transition of power is not only unconstitutional but seditious to its core. When FBI agent vehemently proclaimed he would not investigate the January 6th insurrectionists, stating arrest of the insurrectionists is the violation of the Sixth Amendment or the Due Process Clause. That agent, Stephen Flynn, in violation of his oath, determined whites engaging in violent protests were justified. In analyzing the merits of Agent Flynn's position, the Due Process Amendment was violated arresting the insurrectionists. One would have to first concede that the insurrection grievances about the election being stolen would have to have been true. Ironically, FBI agents, as part of their job description, is tasked with carrying out assignments that may be illegal, indeed, are often illegal. Why did this particular use of state power distress this particular agent? Socialization in, now, socialization in the U.S. utilizing an erroneous classification of race makes it easier to identify perceived enemies. The ubiquitous nature of socialization ensures everyone is socially conditioned to think and feel the same way along ethnic lines. Police are not excluded. Recently, a New York Police Department Sergeant Dana Montillo was, was reportedly at a Black Lives Matter protest wearing patches with a Trump endorsement and political wording stating, make enforcement great again. Political patches on her uniform while on duty is unprofessional, but exposed, but, <coughs> but exposed, doing, but exposed to a Black Lives Matter protest is symbolic of a kind of contempt for the political left generally and African progressives particularly. Not to mention, make enforcement great again harkens back to the recent past where assaults and killings of African people was much more commonplace. What was it about New York Police Department in Brooklyn, New York, where this police woman felt so comfortable potentially inflaming passion at a political protest? Perhaps the general lure of the precinct 
endorses her views. Or maybe it's the higher-ups who invited Trump to visit signal their approval of her actions. Either way, the conditions to carry out mass repression is in place. And given the right-wing movement, movement of this country, any orders vaguely espousing physical abuse or killing of the civilians will be obliged. American capitalism ensures it, and with that, the continued rise of fascism. And Brother Africa, I close with that. Thank you, Brother Haki. Next, we'd like to welcome Brother Moses to Africa on the Move. He's organized for the D.C. Metro Coalition in solidarity with the Cuban Revolution. Welcome, Brother Moses. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Africa, and greetings to everyone within the sound of my voice, especially the illustrious panelists. My name is Robert Andrew Moses. And I've been in the struggle for scientific socialism from the moment I was introduced to Marxism during a government class back in my high school years, 1968. I call Marxism the race to cure racism. I bear witness that there's one God, Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith, and that Mao Zedong is his messenger for government. Fathers, help your children. I bear Thank witness you, that women hold up half the sky. Therefore, I'm for the Equal Rights Amendment, ERA, yes. I, I don't reverse correct verdicts. I'm pro-choice, and I vote. And I want to thank you, Brother Africa, for allowing me to be on the show. It's a struggle to to bring consciousness where there is ignorance, where people have ignored information. We have to combat ignorance and bring consciousness to bear because that's the phase of the movement. It's a, it's a conscious movement that's able to, to see itself as a class and act as a class. And I, I hope that that day will come soon. Thank you, Brother Africa. And we thank you as well, Brother Moses, for your contributions to today's program. Following Brother Moses, we will now bring in a mem- another member of the D.C. Metro Coalition in solidarity with the Cuban Revolution. Sister Eleanor, we'd like to welcome her to Africa on the Move. Welcome, Sister Eleanor. Thank you, Brother Africa, and good evening. My name is Eleanor Johnson, and uh, good evening, fellow panelists and listeners in the U.S. and abroad. Thank you so much for having me this evening, Brother Africa. Forward to uh, an informative and enlightening forum this evening. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. You're listening to Africa on the Moon. It's a component under the banner of the African Wellness Association where we seek to bring information to you so you can use it as a tool of liberation. As we often say on this program, without information, you cannot think. And without organization, you cannot think clearly. So we're going to try to do our best to give you revolutionary information and from time to time introduce you to various organizations that you might well consider becoming active and support because we know our organization, there can be no freedom. If you want to make your 
best contribution that you can make and give to your people and humanity, the greatest form that contribution can take place in is by doing it through a collective process, and that is by being organized with an organization. So we encourage everyone of the oppressed community, whichever community it may be, if you love your people, then organize for your people. If you want to make a better humanity, fight for it by being organized. So on that note, at this point in time, we're going to take a revolutionary culture break by using music to for liberation. And when we come back, we will open up the segment, What's Going On In Your World?, and the community with our political panelists and analysts as well as you to listen to audience. You're welcome to call in to share that perspective with us by dialing 323-679-0841, hit 1, and we will acknowledge your band's phone number. This is Brother Africa, and this is Africa on the Moon. Septic, 
so full of shit, I can't accept it. Arrest the president, arrest the president, arrest the president. You got the evidence, arrest the president, arrest the president, arrest the president. You got the evidence, arrest the president, arrest the president, arrest the president. You got the evidence, arrest the president, arrest the president, arrest the president. You got the evidence. I reside on the west side. I murder with my third eye. Nigga so fly, get a bird's eye. I make him scream bloody murder. Let's meet at the White House. Run in and turn the lights out. Man, they treat it like a trap house. These motherfuckers never take the trash out. They just cash out and mash out. Nigga, take your drugs and pass out. Niggas love to go that fast route. I see you when your black ass get out. Homie, you play too much. Why these devils, they doing way too much. Most of them won't say too much. Why they steady planning? God knows what. That's why I roll with the real ones. Real ones, trying to reach millions. Real ones, trying to make billions. Real ones, dressed like civilians. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence.
would like to welcome you back to Africa on the Moon. Just would like to share a couple of quickly side notes and announcements, which is to inform you of some upcoming important events. One of the major events we would like to remind all our listeners and supporters that the upcoming Feet Around the Cuba from January 23rd to 30th. Uh, you must act now. You still have a few days left to do that. And if you're interested in going with Africa on the Move in conjunction and under the banner of the African Awareness Association and other groups, we actually please act now by emailing them at African Awareness Association 2 at gmail.com. They will be visiting. Uh, three cities. They also will be participating in some key events. One of the events is the annual Havana Jazz Festival as well as the International Academic Youth Student Conference that will take place all around the world. In terms of showing your support and solidarity to Cuba and making your small contribution in towards bringing the end to the illegal Racist, unjust blockade. Come on, let's join this good fight. So, again, if you haven't made that move, we encourage you to make that move right now and contact the African Awareness Association by emailing them or, or dialing 804 or 202-714-9435. And we'll talk a little bit more about this later on with one is representative. At the same time, on this particular date, we would like to just bring to your attention some historical facts, such as the African National Congress, ANC, of the Zania, South Africa, was founded in 1912, and the Conventional People Party, led by Osegifo Kwame Nkrumah, their first president, launched positive action campaign in 1950. And that's something that's needed today. We need more positive action campaigns. But that was those two important historic events that took place on the state. The 8th of January, one was in 1912. That was the foundation, luncheon of ANC, and in the year 1950, the Convention People Party, led by Kwame Nkrumah, launched its positive action campaign. So just put that down in your history book. Don't forget it. Share the history. And, live, and let's live up to these legacies. So at this point in time, we're going to bring in our political panelists and analysts. And as we stated before we left, you are welcome to call in to share with us what's going on in your world in the community by dialing 323-679-0841. At this point in time, we're bringing in Brother Haki, and we'd like to know what's going on in your world in the community, Brother Haki. Well, Brother Africa, the, the level of deception in this, in, you know, in this country is, uh, is astounding. Certainly, I understand deception is in part a result of the realization you know, that the economy is in real decline. And so understanding that context, those people who have a vested interest have to lie. But that's an important thing as, 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 as people who are citizens or people who at least live inside America. It's important we understand concretely, you know, precisely what's going on as it pertains to the economy and what it means to our lives. 
But this question in terms of just how indebted the U.S. is is a very important question because one of the things we've been hearing lately, we've been, there have been news been talking about people actually leaving their jobs because the economy is so great, people can leave their jobs and find another job. Uh, of, course, the number, of course, the statistics don't support that, but that's what we're being told. Uh, also, the question in terms of recession, you know, there's a great resistance to, to define the economy as being in recession. And that is very, that's very, very ironic, given the fact that when you talk about capitalism, maybe four to seven years, it always contracts. So recession is something new to capitalism. So the mere fact they're trying to pretend like, uh, you know, recession is not happening, that thing is farcical. But clearly, uh, it speaks to the kind of uh, willingness of those positions of power to make sure this information is not conveyed to the masses of people. So this question in terms of how indebted is the U.S., I picked two narratives I think sort of underscores just how indebted the society is. Now, the first narrative is a, involves a case of, a, of an individual by the name of Robert Hurd. Now, Mr. Hurd was a 47-year-old uh, former electrician. Now, he suffered a debilitating, de, excuse me, debilitating stroke, resulting in slurred speech, an enlarged heart, and violent tremors. Now, this individual went to the Social Security offices to seek uh, Social Security uh, uh, services with disability. He was turned down. He was turned by Social Security representatives in the vocational department, which says that he he can actually work. And among the things that they rep, they, they they recommended that he work at, they talk about the fact that he's capable of working as a nut sorter. You probably ask me, what the hell is a nut a nut sorter? <laughs> well, you know, anyone who pick nuts. Oh, uh, then they said, well, if he can't work as a nut sorter, he can work as a doll inspector. I know most people are saying, what the hell is a doll inspector? Anyway, as one who looks works uh, looking for defective parts of products, uh, or they, they 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 concluded he could or he could work as an egg processor. Eh, well, anyway, the, uh, the problem is this, brother Africa, of all these jobs uh, that the uh, the uh, the vocational representatives rep, 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 uh, recommended uh, to prevent him from receiving social security disability benefits, those jobs are now being automated. Those jobs have not at least for at least twenty years. So the mere fact that you have these representatives of Social Security, you know, coming out with these inane uh, justifications for not getting him Social Security disability payments underscores just how indebted the U.S. economy is. And historically, I think it's important that people understand that when we talk about in terms of just how indebted uh, uh, this country is, historically, one of the things that the government did a very good job in terms of doing was revenue sharing. Revenue sharing allow the federal government to provide you know, its, its, its resources with, with the states to ensure the states have the money they need to provide the resources for the people you know, in those states. When the 80s, that was all came to an end. They substituted revenue sharing for block grants. In other words, they reduced the allocation of funds to the states, uh, knowing full well the states were deeply indebted, in, in part because of how capitalism works. They knew that, but they wanted to put more, hands in the hand, more money into the hands of the wealthy. And so by creating those block grants, they freed up trillions of dollars to give up to the wealthy for investments and so forth and so on, of course, to the detriment of the economy. And unfortunately, when we talk about terms of giving large sums of money to the, to, to, to the wealthy, the 1% of the population, and clearly we can see the devastating impact in terms of giving large sums of money to the wealthy, which doesn't benefit the economy, which doesn't benefit the country, doesn't benefit the institutions of the country. It benefits the 1%. And so clearly, you know, so when we talk about in terms of recession, then we have to understand that recession is inevitable given that, given that formula. And so it constitutes, it actually underscores the kind of level of indebtedness or the level of debt 
the U.S. is currently experiencing. And the second narrative is around the question of BlackRock. Now, BlackRock is the world's largest manager of asset, asset of assets. Now, according to BlackRock, it says that the central banks are intentionally causing recession. Of course, this is very, very disingenuous because when you start thinking about central banks, central bank role is the, is the uplifting of capitalism. And so it's not going to do anything that's going to undermine capitalism. In fact, everything it does is to, is, is, is to project or to promote the idea of capitalism. So this notion that somehow they're intentionally causing harm to the economy is, laugh, is laughable. But clearly, this is, again, one of those obfuscations, one of those attempts to deceive people in terms of what really is going on in terms of, in terms of, in terms of the economy. So when BlackRock accuses the central banks of causing the recession, there are three problematic effects in terms of that allegation. The first one, when we talk about uh, recession in the, in the U.S. economy, one thing we have to understand is that the reason why the U.S. is in recession is because of two factors. One, the pandemic, uh, which is, keep in mind, the government made the decision to close down the economy. It didn't have to close down the economy. It made a decision to close down the economy because the U.S. economy was, was, was close to collapse. So the only way they could conceivably save it was to close down the entire economy. Most people don't realize that. And the second reason in terms of recession in the American economy is the war expenditures. Uh, recently, um, the U.S. has spent $18.5 billion on the war in Ukraine. Now they're talking about an additional $45 billion. Now, if you just oppose congressional expenditures for war, particularly monies for the Pentagon, we're talking about $857 billion. So when you have that kind of money going into the system, that money doesn't bid the overall economy. Because keep in mind, those 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 benefits that these these all the Pentagon receives, uh, the monies that are, that that we spend in terms of Ukraine, keep in mind those are not monies that can be used to benefit the economy. Those monies are are, are gone, and so what it means is that it it, it enhances or in, increases the kind of impoverishment that the that the the economy uh, the economy we're currently experiencing in the economy. And so it's ironic, but Joseph Stigler was very, very clear in terms of, you know, when you have these kind of expenditures in terms of war, then the devastation of, or kind of imbalance that you create as a result of spending all this money, you know, to those people at the top, you essentially mean that the people, either the economy and its need in terms of money to flow through the system is simply not available. So what has to happen, it has to be compensated some kind of way. So either you're going to increase taxes or increase interest rates. But you have to do something in terms of getting that money in, in into the system. If you can't get that money to the system, then the fundamental results in a recession. And this is what they fundamentally don't want people to understand. Secondly, uh, when we talk about recession and capitalism, keep in mind, capitalism is very cyclical. In fact, every four to seven years on average, capitalism contracts. Why does it contract? Because it's short-term, capitalism is a result of short-term planning. It's centered around making profits. It does not take into consideration liquidity or necessary monies needed or necessary reserves in the system needed for payouts in terms of large investments from people not only in the country but throughout the world who invest in this economy. So when the government is hamstring or when it's, when it's finding it difficult in terms of making those payments uh, to people in the world who invest in the U.S. economy, it creates problems for the U.S. economy. But keep in mind, this is all self-inflicted. This is, this is a policy. This is capitalism in terms of how it operates. Also, the question in terms of the importance in terms of velocity of, of money throughout the system. So one of the things, in order to have the, the economy expand, then you have to have money flowing through the system. 
In other words, people may notice that the multiplier effect. The more the money expands to the system, then the more the, that supply of money increases, which means that you have the kinds of money you need in terms of investments to pay off investments, the kind of money you need in terms of social services, the kind of money you need in terms of investing in business in society. But capitalism, because it's short-term, it doesn't think in those terms. It's only concerned with short-term profit for that 1% of the population. And as a result of that, the inevitability is recession, and that's be very, very clear on that point. Uh, also, and thirdly, I think it's important that people understand when we talk about recession, we have to understand in relation terms of global debt. One thing about America and capitalism in, this, in the supply side economics, so you give the wealthy all the money that they want, but it doesn't mean that because you give them all the money they want that it's going to really be a benefit to the economy. Of course, it's no benefit to the economy, all right, which means that they end up giving the money to the wealthy who didn't in turn build things, but they build so many things they have nobody to sell them to because capitalism essentially impoverishes the world. It impoverishes not just the citizens, but it impoverishes people throughout the world. So the West has no, or the U.S. in particular, has no avenue to sell that which is built, which means that it results, the result is a recession. So let's clear, be clear, very clear on that point. Now, I'm going to conclude with this, Brother Africa. I know I've been long-winded, but let me conclude on this point. The implications for the African community. Let's be very, very clear when we talk about recession, and when people talk about recession, understand the implications for the African community. Of course, it's going to be increased poverty. Increased poverty. There's no question about that. You know, as these, as these, as these, as these government lay off people, as they refuse to hire people, you know, uh, one thing is very, very clear: the people first going to be impacted in terms of unemployment is going to be African people. Let's let's be very clear: African and or or, or other or other um, uh, so-called minorities. Let's be very clear on that point. So we understand recession in terms of it's going to adversely impact the African community. Secondly, um, when we talk about recession, we got to talk about the destabilization destabilization impact in terms of in terms of recession. Because as people find, become more hopeless and they become more desperate, their ability to work on another become, gets undermined. And so given that reality, so when we talk about trying to build in a community, trying to get our people to work together, one of the things recession does, it, it sort of it throws a wrench in the game. In other words, it makes it difficult for people to actually work together because people are so stressed out. People are just wondering where the food is going to come from next day, how they're going to pay the rent, all those kind of things which are conducive in terms of making sure people don't work with one another, which is in the interest of those positions of power. So we got to find a fundamentally find a, a, a way in terms of understanding that phenomenon but, but addressing it and so as to minimize its impact on the community. And last but other after, mostly importantly, I think we have to understand that when we talk about recession and we talk about the decline of the economy, we have to understand that people who cause the economy, who cause the recession, who cause the decline of the economy, are not going to take responsibility. They're not, the government's not going to say we're responsible for it. Central bank representatives are not going to say we're responsible for it. Heaven knows Congress is not going to take responsibility for it. They're all going to deflect the responsibility. Well, guess who's going to end up being blamed, you know, for economic decline in society? You guessed it, African people. If we haven't figured that one out in the 21st century, I, I, guess, I guess we would never figure that out. But clearly this, this potential in terms of scapegoating African people is very, very real. And so we got to understand that. And given the reality in American society, we got 128 million people who can't read. They're vulnerable to propaganda. They may not be able to read, but if you tell them something, they can hear it. And so those people are more, more prone to being manipulated by the government. If the government continues to tell them, or, or, the, or, or the media continues to tell people that your problem is these people, those people are your problem, they will believe it. 
because they can't counterbalance the information they receive with reading. Because if you can't read, if you can't even understand what you read, then there's no way you can counterbalance, no way you can compare what you're being told with what you read. And so, therefore, you become, um, you become a victim of propaganda. And this is a fundamental problem we have in the society. We have to understand that this issue in terms of people's inability to read is no it's not by happenstance. It's no accident. This is all by, by design. This is by plan. The capitalists want people in a position not to be able to read because if you can't read, then, then you, then, then, which means that uh, they're, they're in a strategic position to control what you think or how you behave or what you believe. And so clearly we had to understand when we talk about recession, it has very real implications for the African community. And Brother Africa, thank you for being patient, and I'll close with that. Well, we got we got time, brother. We got time. Got plenty of time. Because, you know, you're not one knows who can say we don't have time because we've been patient for all the years trying to fight this oppression. We got more time to continue this battle. But we thank you for the information and analysis, Brother Haiki. Next we'll go to Brother Moses, who we'd like to welcome him again to Africa on Move and what's going on in your world and the community, Brother Moses. Well, there's a lot going on, Brother Africa. There's a lot going on, but I'm going to kind of keep it brief as I can. Uh, I think Wednesday, this Wednesday, the January 11th at 1 p.m. at the White House, there's a vigil protest to close Guantanamo now. Well, it's sponsored by Witness Against Torture and National Religious Campaign Against Torture. And I think it should be noted that uh, last Monday night there was an injury on the football field which showed the consciousness of the the country is growing and developing and uh, and is maturing because they stopped that game for that, that injury. And uh, that's, that's progress. Then to show that the absurdity of, of the gun, gun lobby people, the six-year-old took his gun to school and took a gun to school and shot one of the teachers, evidently, from what I can gather. Okay. And finally, you know, you're not a natural being going through a spiritual experience, but you are a spiritual being going through a natural experience. And Marxism teaches that the state of government comes about due to the emergence of class society. The existence of the state is recognition that there are classes in the social order and that one class has to control the rights of the other classes in order to dominate society and pursue its class interests. That's basic Marxism, i.e., the state can only serve the interests of one class. There can be only one ruling class dictating its interests to the other classes. In fact, the essence of the struggle reveals that there are only two classes in developed capitalism, i.e., the workers and the owners. Racism is a strategy of the owning class to divide and conquer the workers in order to maximize profits. Pigmentation of the skin is not that critical otherwise. It is a tactic used by the black owners to keep their market cordoned off and exclusive to them. It is a tactic used by the Anglo owners to gain super profits above normal exploitation from the people of color by pitting white workers against non-whites telling the Anglos that they are superior and that their interest is threatened by the interests of colored people, paying Anglo workers more crumbs from the table than other workers receive. 
Reality is there is an Afro-American nation developed historically on the land of the Black Belt South, including Mississippi. A nation is not a race, but a historically evolved community of people. That's the reality, but the common sense of the world does not accept the fact. Bill Clinton and Jimmy Carter are members of the community of the Black Belt South and are members of the Afro-American nation, just like a person born in France is French. I'm a scientist with an ideology of scientific socialism that was founded by Karl Marx and developed by Engels, Lenin, Stalin, and Mao. Trotskyites and petty bourgeois intellectuals love a variation on Jewish theory which says that ethnicity and culture are what makes a nation. They focus on a characteristic of nationhood and try to make that proof that there is a right to sovereignty for their narrow nationalist interests. Israel is founded on Jewish narrow nationalism. White nationism is no different from black nationism in that both are ideas being perpetuated for the interests of a few as nothing but idealism and not dialectical and historical materialism upon which Marxism and scientific socialism is based. It shows a lack of love for people and chauvinism, a.k.a. a superiority complex in the person. It indicates a denial and hatred, ultimately, of people and of humanity in general. We are just matter that thinks. There is nothing sacred about skin color. We are all human and have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We need compassion, empathy, and caring for all people. And having said that, I turn it back to you, Brother Africa. Thank you, Brother Moses. And from Brother Moses, we will bring in Sister Elnor, who is also a member of the D.C. Metro Coalition in solidarity with the Cuban Revolution. Sister Elnor, what's going on in your world? In the community. Well, uh, Brother Moses and I have been discussing, as uh, he said, the Buffalo Bills uh, game um, last Sunday, and it was uh, really great when uh, Hamlin uh, was injured on the field that that game was shut down. Um, uh, in addition to that, I'd like to remind people that on every first and third Sunday of the month uh, at Merrick Garland's, across the street from Merrick Garland's home, there is a vigil supporting the release of Julian Assange, A-S-S-A-N-G-E, and that vigil uh, occurred yesterday, January 8th, and the vigil generally occurs for one hour, 4 to 5 p.m., the first and third Sunday of the month in Bethesda, Maryland. It's the 5100 block of Edgemore Lane along the fence of the Sidwell Friends Lower School and come at 345 p.m. to ensure to set up banners and signs. Bring your own signage, free assage, uh, no extra addition, and similar messages. Make sure that not only Attorney General Garland sees our message, but it is also heard nationally. Directions uh, to the place, uh, if you're in Washington, D.C., or the District of Columbia and have access 
uh, in the DMV, Washington, D.C., Maryland, uh, and Virginia Metro. It's the 5100 block of Edgemore Lane, three blocks west of the Wisconsin Avenue and the Bethesda Metro Station. That's on the red line. Meet along the fence of the Sidwell Friends Lower School. So that's something that, uh, and it's Merrick Garland. Uh, they want to get the message out to Garland. And it's 4 to 5 p.m. every first and third Sunday of the month. And it's to remind the world, the purpose for this is to remind the world that journalism is not a crime. And uh, that's an important thing that, you know, journalism and investigative journalism should not be punished. In addition to that, uh, as we see that uh, Congress hasn't been able to um, elect a speaker to the House, and what that means for residents of the District of Columbia is, uh, is questionable to me. Uh, we had the mayor's inauguration last week, and uh, on the second day of January, Monday, but the District of Columbia, Washington, D.C., depends on Congress to approve any law it passes to the city council, any executive order, the mayor, Every 30, within 30 days, they have to, you know, if they have any objections or they they have to approve these laws within 30 days. Now, what's happening to the district? City Council has in recess, the District of Columbia City Council, that's chaired by Phil Mendelson, has in recess. Um, uh, Muriel Bowser the Honorable Muriel Bowser, the Honorable uh, uh, Phil Mendelson, and the others are working. Now, what does that mean for the residents when there's no one at the helm of Congress? And we have seen this McCarthy vote. The last time I looked, it was 14 times that they had voted without uh, the majority, or he was four votes short the last time I saw. So we see this incredible struggle that we've never seen. People talking about it's been a hundred years and this and that, but I think there's a, a greater problem uh, than 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 that going on. In addition, um, we uh, see that uh, Governor. Santos is on the move and uh, moving up as being the popular candidate for uh, the presidency by the Republican Party. It doesn't mean that Donald Trump isn't going to lead the Republican Party, but definitely there's a uh, Donald Trump's boss hood that uh, filled the presidency ended with a a massive lie about the 2020 election uh, isn't still collecting money and keeping things gone, but uh, we're fighting fascism here. 
And it's hard to find a, a case to quit like that of George Santos, the newly elected Republic, oh, Republican congressman from Long Island. He uh, seems to have a false uh, employment record. Uh, his, 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 his bibliography is to be made up. And uh, um, his religion, his uh, his faith, his job credentials, even his charities are just all false, and he's been elected to Congress. I'm sorry, I was um, also talking about Santos the governor. They're two different people. Now, Santos the governor is likely to, you know, to succeed Donald Trump as the Republican Party candidate right now. They say that uh, Santos is uh, 52%, I read in the the New York Times or somewhere that he's 52% more likely to be nominated by the party than Trump right now, that Trump has 32% of the votes and uh, Santos has 52. That's yet to be seen. But the biggest thing is this. Governor Santos out of, I think he's out of Queens, New York, and it appears that his credentials are just, they're just false. From NASA, we do know he lives in in Queens. That's all we can tell about him. So there's been a lot going on, and uh, um, I also was thinking about Weber, a journalist and a addition to Julian Assad, who was killed in this United States some years ago when he uh, revealed that uh, crack cocaine was the uh, product that uh, put in the black community and, and, and communities, poor communities throughout the United States by the CIA and that he was having a problem with his home being broken into and and other problems and he had called the police and was trying to seek help. He was eventually shot in the head twice and his death ruled a suicide. Now I don't know how you can shoot yourself in the head twice and it'd be a suicide. But we have these unbelievable phenomena in these mass lives country these days, and uh, I just know that uh, uh, the African-American outrage at the time in L.A. caused the then CIA director to retire. So these are things that uh, I'm thinking about and that people are thinking about, and and we all need to continue to realize that the time is now to save Mother Earth. We don't have a moment to lose, and we must support education. And as Brother Haiki said, world literacy, and we should emulate the Cubans and have literacy programs for those from, from, from birth to grave. Literacy programs from birth to grave is not only reading comprehension, but it's a political conscience comprehension, knowing how to think and understand the materials before you and the resources before you and how 
you can work to impact your community and Mother Earth to green our planet instead of contributing to global warming. Thank you, Brother Africa. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. At this point in time, we're going to take a revolutionary culture break, and when we come back, we're going to have some announcements about our coming trip to Cuba from the African Women's Association. And if you have any announcements, you're welcome to call in and share it on this platform. And we will follow a discussion of our theme today, which is Africa is the center of the world. This is Brother Africa. This is Africa on the move and come back and we will continue to travel down the road uh, liberation. Stay tuned. Africa on the move. It's like an E on the beat. Hey, this one is Sara Sara. The beat is Tana Tana. You go make you manya manya. In it is manya manya. Oh, yeah, make you ricotta, ricotta, mama, Africa, ricotta, eh. Hey. Make you dance, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody, ricotta, ricotta, mama, Africa, ricotta, eh. Hey. Make you dance, yeah. Manya manya, in it is in manya manya. This is for people with talata, people with kalaka, yeah, nandi walanya, nandi kalanya. It will make you feel better. This can take away palaba, this can take away wala. It will make you feel Niger. Oh yeah, let's go to Kenya, Rwanda and Tanzania. Don't go Cameroon, Niger, Ghana, Southern Sudan. Oh yeah, make you ricotta, ricotta, mama Africa, ricotta, eh. Make it a 
We have some technical difficulties. Let us see if we can get this last song in. Again, we'll come back with our announcements. While we wait for our music to come in.
changes. Brother Haki will share that with you from the African Wedding Association. And we'd like to remind our listening audience that this is the last call for you to come forward and participate for this particular trip in Tour de Cuba, which will, which will be from January 23rd to 30th. You only have a few days left, so you must act right away. So Brother Haki, take away talk to the people, the mic is yours. Yes, African Awareness is doing this Black History Educational and Cultural Travel Challenge. This trip takes place January 23rd to, Janu- to January 30th, 2023. And while in Cuba, we, we get opportunity to visit some very, uh, some very exciting places. But uh, among the itinerary, I think it's of immense of, of importance. It's a whole question around the, the Havana Jazz Festival, uh, given the fact that music is so instrumental in terms of, you know, reaching people, in terms of moving people. I think this, this jazz festival has a long and glorious history in terms of showcasing some of the, some of the, some of the best-sounding music known to the world. So we encourage people to go, for, for nothing else, to listen to the jazz festival and to take in the vibes and to appreciate you know, uh, the sweet sounds, you know, of the, you know, um, um, Spanish jazz music. Also, I think of the most important is the whole question around the International Conference on the World Balance. And this is a conference put together by students and youth uh, to essentially deal with the question in terms of which way forward for the world. And this particular forum creates a, possi- creates a possibility for people throughout the world to come together to actually articulate what they're doing in their parts of the world in terms of advancing the struggle for humanity. So we encourage people to firsthand to go to go to Cuba to see firsthand this, this conference in terms of all it has to offer, not just for the world but Amer- for America in particular. Because one of the things that we're very clear on are the kind of issues that we're up against in American society without proper organizations, proper understanding of what's going on in the world, then we're at the mercy of forces which are diametrically opposed to our interests. And so clearly, you know, going to this international conference in Cuba would do much in terms of pushing your conscience forward in terms of understanding reality. Now, for more information, we ask you to contact us at African Awareness Association, all one word, number two at gmail.com, or email us at P.O. Box 4433, Richmond, VA, 23220, or contact us via phone, area code 804-549-7492, or area code 202-714-9435. Again, that's area code 804-549-7492. Or area code two zero two seven one four nine four three five. And thank you, Brother Africa. Thank you, Brother Haki. You to call what's at there. As we continue to discuss what's going on in your world and the community, I have two concerns I'd like to get the panelists' response to. 
under this topic, and this topic is, under this topic, one of the concerns is, you know, when we um, talk about or make reference to 2% of the population in this country suffer some kind of form of poverty or not getting the proper nutrition nutrition when it comes to food in their body, while at the same time, it has been reported that 45% of all the food that is produced in this country goes through waste. Now, if you know 42% of the people are not properly eating or not getting proper nutrition, food is not available. Well, at the same time, you understand that 45% of the food that is produced in the U.S. goes through waste. What kind of paradigm or what kind of conditions does this um, states about the affairs internally of the U.S. government and American capitalist system panelists? What do you draw from that reality? Because we just recently reported share that's current reality that is going on in this economy. I'll start off with you, Brother Hackey. Take a leave and just give us your synopsis of what you can draw from those realities. Well, Brother Africa, I think, I, I think in a nutshell, uh, when you talk about waste, that is part and parcel in terms of how capitalism works. If you're talking about a system which is predicated on the bottom line or making profit, then feeding poor people is not a consideration, unless we were very clear on that. Even though from time to time we have stores who may donate food, you know, to organizations to distribute among the people who are who are impoverished, the bottom line is you have a system in place which which which, which diametrically is opposed to the to 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 ensuring the, the population have access to food. One of the things I think is very problematic, Brother Africa, I think when you talk about a country which senior unilaterally can print up money at the drop of a hat. And you, and you ask yourself, given that ability to do that, why would you have people in the society, you know, who don't have access to food? There's something fundamentally problematic in terms of that kind, that, that, that kind of situation. And so I think it, it underscores the fact that, you know, in capitalism, you know, there's great disregard. You know, if you, can't, if you don't have money, then your life is esoteric, that your life has no real value. And at some point we have to come to the realization that that's precisely what's going on. So I think even though you got 45% of people who don't have access to food, 42% uh, of people who don't have access to food, when you talk about the 45% of, of, of waste that goes on with respect to food, I think it's like comparing apples and oranges. Uh, I think clearly, you know, um, you know, until we have a different paradigm, one who says that humanity is, a, is at the forefront in terms of all we do, or certainly man, uh, humanity is at the forefront in terms of, you know, any type of systematic endeavor, until we have such a such a paradigm, the bottom line is that we're relegated to abide by a paradigm which says that life is insignificant. And long as we live in the context of the system which says that life is insignificant in Brother Africa, no one can be surprised that you have 42% of the population who don't have the taste of food, even though 45% of the food is, 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 is systematically wasted. So I'm not surprised at all. Sister Eleanor, what is your conclusion from such reality? based upon some recent reports. Now, 42% of the population is not getting, not being able to eat or have access to nutritional food, 
and they know that 45% of all the food they produce goes to waste in this country. Your response? Well, definitely food goes to waste because, um, you know, there was a political decision made, uh, the economic decision made on how food would be disposed of. When the book, Steal This Book, came out 50 years ago, it told people how they could go behind grocery stores and collect uh, produce and, and other products to survive and live. But we've got to look at what's happening in our country, right? And we've got to look at what's happening in the United States of America right now. You know, the railroad workers were were trying to strike, and the uh, old-time law, the president could demand that they go to work. And uh, hundreds of thousands of railroad jobs have been lost in the in in, uh, in the last uh, I don't know how many years, twenty years. You know, computerization. You know, people can't eat. Uh, or uh, can't eat their laptop. They can't eat uh, the internet. They can't eat uh, 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 this, the things they see uh, uh, through the internet at the library or in their homes. Um, and there's a real problem going on. Uh, the U.S. Congress imposed a, a labor agreement on 115,000 railroad workers on December 1, uh, uh, basically disregarding the vote from four unions to reject it. Uh, that That is how little real democracy is happening in the United States. You know, the Millionaire's Club on Capitol Hill uh, could not even support getting sick days. Couldn't support. The Congress could not support sick days for railroad workers, for the chain of railroad workers. Uh, they want them to work around the clock, ridiculous schedules, you know, so... We, we see all of this happening. Well, at the same time, we see the, the uh, uh, industrialization of this country. Outside of Amtrak along the Northeast Corridor and a few other places in the United States, passenger trains have virtually disappeared. That's the loss of millions. And, you know, the loss of millions of manufacturing jobs have also meant the loss of railroad worker jobs, for example. So we see like this domino theory kind of thing happening where many people are not able to, uh, are no longer in their long-term jobs. You've seen Rust Belt along the Pennsylvania corridor, you know, that old manufacturing belt in the in the Carolinas along the eastern seaboard has disappeared. So people are hungry, and they're ashamed to admit they're hungry. And uh, citizens are now having to eat out of cans, canned food uh, from food banks, and it's having a devastating impact on their health. Uh, 
And, yes, we know that. And the other thing that's important to mention, the six-year-old child took a weapon to school and shot his kindergarten teacher was arrested, and the last I heard was in the custody of the police. Now, that was earlier last week. So, you know, you don't have to tell me about a starving America. Yes, Brother Africa and Brother Haiki, that is a reality. People are hungry. And it's not easy uh, to apply for uh, food stamp benefits, these SNAP benefits. They don't make that an easy process. So uh, it's difficult. It's uh, invasive. And uh, it, 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 the application itself, uh, I haven't seen it, but I understand it's daunting. And uh, it's been reorganized since the pandemic, and uh, it's quite something. I understand that that's yet to be seen um, but, uh, by me, so I have to say I haven't investigated it. But I know people are hungry, and there's a great demand for support and food insecurity in this country, plagued by food deserts in certain communities throughout the United States. It's, uh, and there is uh, funding available for um, entrepreneurs uh, to introduce uh, grocers and farmers markets and green groceries in their communities because of the amount of food deserts. The late, great uh, Marion Berry was one that really showed off the food deserts in uh, the DMV in that you could go in uh, to a, a local store and the only thing you could buy were potato chips, cigarettes, beer, wine, and the cheapest, you know, most cheap in value and cost to the distributor at great cost to the purchaser. And you also could have the opportunity to buy a five-year-old can of soup or a six-year-old can of beans or Spam. So there's a real problem with food insecurity in the United States of America. Thank you, Sister Noah. Brother Moses, what kind of indictment that is reflected in this reality if 42% of people are lacking proper Nourishment or having access to food, and 45 percent of all the food that is produced goes to waste. What is your assessment of that uh, of that reality as it relates to the overall functioning of this capitalist system and the U.S. government and political policymakers? Brother Moses, your response. Well, I have been with the movement of food for people, not for profit, for years, and that's continued to believe in food for people, not for profit. Uh, the profit motive and the profit management system, uh, the industrial system uh, uh, produces food for profit. And if it's not going to, if they can't make a profit off of it, then they don't want to distribute it. It's, it's all about how produced, food is produced and, and distributed, who controls the production and the distribution of the food and, and, uh, and what what is their motive? 
either food is is to serve the people or it's to serve a few people, and uh, that's the problem. And so the, the all it's a political problem. And ultimately, that means it's a human problem and a human relation problem. It's how people organize in order to produce and distribute food. And it's a political problem that that uh, only a revolutionary party that is committed to compassion, altruism, uh, empathy, and uh, love for the people is... is when it's staffed completely by revolutionaries and and they take control of the government, then then this food insecurity will be in a better position uh, to be alleviated, uh, and that's the problem. Uh, uh, the, you know, if the sanctions are devastating Cuban society, but they they have a, a Good system of of production and distribution of, of of food, and that's a Marxist government. And we need we need uh, a Marxist government, and that's the bottom line. So, I I I if the food can't be sold, they want to throw it away, and that's and so you know we don't have compassion, empathy. I was short story. I was I was in the line. Uh, I think it was Friday night in a store, and I had a loaf of bread. That's all I had was a loaf of bread, and I I was behind this this woman. And I won't even get into her demographics because it's not necessary. I was behind this woman, and and uh, I should say this person. Uh, and anyway, the, I asked the person. They had a a whole basket full of groceries, you know, a whole shopping full, basket full of groceries. And uh, I was in a hurry, and I had about two minutes to catch a bus because I knew the, I know the bus schedule. I know when the bus is coming. And so I said to her, could I jump in front of you because I need to catch a bus and I'm going to miss this bus. And she said to me, what makes you think that that?" That I'm not in a hurry. What makes you think the other people are in a, are in a hurry just like you? And I said, Well, I didn't know. I, that's why I asked you. And she said, You need to stand in stand in line and wait just like everybody else. And uh, and so I mean that's a, that's 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 the nature of the beast we're dealing with. It's a, it's a it's a, a ideology of selfishness and non non-brotherly love and uh, non-compassion and non-empathy and uh, and uh, you know uh, as Bob Marley said in 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 Zimbabwe on the album uh, you know you're right, you're right, you're right you're so right, but we're going to fight we're going to fight we're going to fight to win our rights in Zimbabwe Anyway, uh, um, I'll leave it right there. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. You are listening to Africa No More. We're discussing what's going on in your world and the community. If you have any views or comments you'd like to share, please dial 323-679-0841. 
get one, and we will not at your last four numbers. I will go to this one more other point, and then we'll take this caller who just came in. Caller 8930 will be coming to you shortly. Please hold on. Another issue as relates to this issue, what's going on now with community panelists, I'd like for you to give your analysis on this particular condition. And the conditions I'm speaking to, the condition that I am speaking to, is a condition of how some could say skillful, some would say um, very sophisticated, some would say deceptive ways of how U.S. capitalist system constantly invent itself even when they make errors. They have a very sophisticated way of turning things upside down and making the truth look like a lie, and the lie looking like the truth, and blame to make the victim become the one to take the blame, and the one that should be blamed, they um, seem as being victimized. I say that in reference to recently we just talked about this young youth, six-year-old um, young man who um, came to school and teacher got shot, and they're going to make it look like the kid is a bad kid, and if I'm not mistaken, they also probably can go after parents, and we know they can go after parents because the pattern of how they um, dissect a problem, how they paint a narrative of a problem, and when they talk about going after parents, most of the time, you probably can think, if I'm not mistaken, there's probably someone who is of the oppressed community. Now, if anyone looked at I understand capitalism and the system. Capitalism in itself is a system that creates imbalance, creates confusion on people. It creates people who may not be in the best psychological state because the way they have to interact with the structure of the system and how it impacts on one thinking and everything. So I'm just wondering who is more of a victim? Is it the youth, how he gets back out, or those in, in the position of, of resources, in position of policy making, in positions of perpetuating, creating these kind of conditions ideal that call us to act out of the way that is not in the best interest of mankind? Brother Haki, can you speak to that? Well, well, Brother Africa, you, uh, you're asking a lot inadvertently. Uh, the bottom line is that what you're alluding to is you're talking about the, the, the devastating impact of socialization in terms of how these institutions impact the way people behave, the way people live, uh, their response to uh, very stressful situations. Now, what you're asking for is for these people to acknowledge that, in fact, there's something fundamentally wrong, fundamentally wrong in terms of where the system operates. So what you're asking them to do is to critique capitalism. That they won't do. Because if you critique capitalism, understand its intimacies, you understand clearly how it operates, then you understand the kind of mental devastation it imposes upon individuals or the mental instability or the confusion imposed upon, upon people. It's not no accident. It's a tactic. And the media plays an indispensable role in terms of facilitating confusion and mental instability among the people. The problem is that the masses of people don't understand that because we've been miseducated to understand it. Keep in mind, it wasn't too long ago in which, uh, you know, uh, we had situations which, the, by way of the media, in which people were properly educated. You had shows like Phil Donahue, you had shows like uh, Montel Williams, you had shows like, actually educated people to get people to really in position to critique 
what's going on in society. So people begin to make a relationship between what goes on in society and institutions. They, the, 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 the ruling class understood the implicit danger in terms of people having a clear understanding of what's going on. So what they did is move to destroy anything like that. Uh, and keep in mind also when you talk about the fairness clause, keep Reagan, Reagan did a very good job in terms of destroying the fairness doctrine because he understood that if you have an issue and you have two perspectives on that issue, one conservative, one progressive, then the bottom line is that progressive, the progressive narrative is going to be much more compelling than the conservative because progressive analysis is going to take into consideration society in its entirety, whereas conservative analysis tends to take the individual into account. So clearly, uh, you're absolutely correct. So when you talk about the situation with these with these kids, and keep in mind, it wasn't just a six-year-old who who supposedly uh, uh, shot a teacher. It was also a ten-year-old in Florida who allegedly shot or who uh, uh, brandished a, a gun at a teacher. So we have this kind of situation. Every an intelligent person will ask himself, what's going on in society? We got a six-year-old and a ten-year-old brandishing weapons. What kind of environment? What is what is creating the kind of environment in which guns are prevalent in the first place? The bottom line is what you allude to, Brother Africa, in terms of the cleverness of capitalism, because it's not going to allow you to come to that, to come to some conclusion that there's something fundamentally wrong in terms of this capitalist system. It's not going to do that. What it does is going to stigmatize or demonize those children. They're going to paint those children as bad seeds, as kids who are just incriminally prone. As a matter of fact, the ten-year-old is being charged as an adult. I, want, I, I understand me clearly. The ten-year-old is being charged as an adult. Who in their right fucking mind would charge a ten year old as an adult? But in, in, anyway, Brother Africa, you know, back to the question. You know, um you would, so you know that's absolutely correct, Brother Africa. The whole point is to obscure the reality. And, and until people have come to the realization first and foremost that they under, that they want to know what is the what is the, the, the peculiarity of the system, until they want to know what is why the inequality exists in the system, until they want to know, you know, why why is it that you have all these social problems? Until they get to that point, uh, they're vulnerable to all kinds of uh, media narratives that says that the problem is always re- re- resides with the individual and not with the system in place. And this is the reason why the U.S. attacks systems that are socialist, because they understand that the potential terms of creating great individuals, great human beings, lies with the, that, that socialist system, so they must destroy it. So as long as you got a capitalist system, you got people thinking individually. You're thinking people, you know, pitting against your know, people who are pitted against each other. As long as you've got such a system, then people in position of power uh, can, can maintain that, that system of privilege and not be threatened by people by the, by the masses of people, you know, who are powerless. So the U.S. government understands that they must attack all sorts of systems because the potential in terms of creating those great human beings uh, exists. And so as a consequence of socialism, you wouldn't have a situation where you have a six-year-old or a 10-year-old brandishing weapons because they would have no need to have access to weapons. Because if everything is provided for, in socioeconomically speaking, and parents can take care of their children, and parents are, uh, uh, parents are in a situation in which you know, they can provide for their children, then there's no, no incentive in terms of people having weaponry in the house in the first place. The weaponry in the house is indicative of a much larger problem. And, of course, you're right. Capitalism is very good at turning turn logic on its head. And so, unfortunately, too many of us on the left and on the right who buy into capitalism fail to understand, you know, that when we, that when we talk about capitalism, we talk about the inherent ruthlessness of capitalism, it has very real consequences for the masses of people, in particular the children, who are definitely too young to intellectualize or understand what the conditions that they're responding to. 
But I'll close that, Brother Africa. I'll be talking all day on the subject. But anyway, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Thank you, Brother Haki. Sister Eleanor, your response. Would you repeat the question, please? The question is, Sister Eleanor, in essence, is capitalism, is capitalism a mental disease? Are we blaming the wrong people, like the six-year-old youth or the 10-year-old youth, doing things that not responsible or acting responsible as if a child would. The system has a chance to turn things upside down. Should we look at more of what is the condition that's leading people to do irresponsible things or do we just attack those who just do irresponsible things and don't understand why? We can even add this equation to the young man who was a graduate student. I think he made a psychology or something. They killed all four people in the house, three girls and one male. Who is really at blame for these particular behaviors, Mr. Eleanor? Uh, uh, definitely, I think uh, capitalism and the um, political economic conditions are the cause of these problems. And, of course, we tend to victimize the individuals, the children and their parents. And the idea of charging a 10-year-old as an adult is incredibly frightening and preposterous. And the problems that President Biden thinks are coming from foreign sources are uh, domestic problems. It's the way our corporate structure is organized. It's the way the uh, rich can get away without paying taxes, and it's perfectly legal while we hunt down the poor and the working class. You know, there's a serious uh, problem in the uh, U.S. social structure right now while it tries to control the masses and uh, to integrate millions of people into the U.S. uh, political economy. And this itself is causing a crisis. And the media, if you're a poor child and you only have access, you have access now to the tablet that the government has passed out to you and it becomes uh, your babysitter. And everyone, I I hear parents often say to me, uh, I tell them, well, the tablet can be dangerous. You need to uh, pay attention to what the child is doing and uh, you need to figure out how to control what he has act, what they have access to, and the parents' response is, they're quiet and it's doing a pretty good job to me. I don't see any problem, and that's a horrible situation when we do not have the the programs of the Black Panthers uh, that they had established years ago, such as the 
what gave birth to the U.S. Head Start program and other programs. But those day, the day programs and the lunch programs were far more than lunch programs. They, um, they were reading circles where people were invited to join circles and the children were cared for in the circle. They were uh, so much more, art, science, literature. They were exposed to Mother Earth, Mother Nature, to learn the birds and the trees in their region, so many more things. But you got to remember that the U.S. government, you know, possibly uh, you know, the FBI and others were involved in that. I heard someone recently tell me, someone I believe to be a pedophile, what a great job they did in, in, in their work. And I thought to myself, how narrow we are in our scope. So, you know, it's a real crisis out here. And there's a, uh, a this is a sign of the political economy and capitalism clearly failing in the United States. And the United States, unlike other Western countries, doesn't have the strict environmental as strict of environmental laws and also uh, corporate laws that prohibit certain activities. So every capitalist, venture capitalist in the world is lined up here to make money. And when you become a corporation here, you have, you're a corporate person with all the rights of an individual. This is a problem unto itself. So I agree with you, Brother Aki, and uh, you, Brother Africa, and uh, also Brother Moses and what he talked about with uh, uh, food shortages. But there, what he talked about, um, I, some years ago, many years ago, decades ago, was involved with a group of people that formed a food um, distribution center in an apartment building where they would buy wholesale produce and you'd have an option of selecting certain produce and people, volunteers, would go out and pick it up at the the, the produce market and bring it uh, and bag it and distribute it. And there's still a few of those co-ops around now. Uh, But uh, again, we're not bringing our youth into that. And you see um, uh, somehow the African community isn't as involved as other communities. There may be Africans that are nearing retirement age or at retirement age who are continuing to volunteer, but somehow there was a breakdown in education and communication that allowed them to share this information with other people so that they may be a part of this community and to share it with their community and to share it and pass it down to the youth and to others. They stratified the African community, as we talked about article in Article 48 last week, uh, the stratification of the African-American community in the United States. 
disenfranchised millions of us are just teaching us that we, a few of us, were uh, more intellectually uh, together as political scientists, Leninists, than others. So we failed to teach each other. And and we thought that uh, we were above and separate from those African people. And the only people we could possibly be around are the, the whites because they're the only people that were our peers. So you saw an incredible stratification from the 1970s to the end of the 20th century. And this stratification has had a devastating impact on the community. And uh, this was an active government plan to foster and support the empire, Brother Africa. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. Let's go to Moses. Name we'll bring in that call of 8930. Brother Moses, your response. Um, the original question was about... Uh, um, the original question, the answer to the question, Brother Moses, is are we blaming the wrong victims? Should be more indictment on the capitalist system that creating conditions for call people to act irresponsible right. and do things against right. their own uh, interests, like uh, youth, or should we blame those who make up and run the system as a real corporate of these crimes against humanity? Yeah, the, yeah. the system is 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 capitalism, and uh, capitalism is about profit-driven economy. And uh, it has its problems. Uh, you know, this, we I'm in a movement. Uh, I've been in the Marxist movement for years, and uh, I don't I don't know what I'm going to talk about stratification. I really don't even understand what what uh, how it applies and, and directly to to and anyway. But anyway, uh, I um, I know that. Uh, the truth is the truth, and uh, you know, pigmentation of skin does not does not give a body any any uh, any uh, assurance of the truth or something. And so, you know, you know, birds of a feather flock together. That's all I can tell you. And uh, and. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I can't get a handle on this right now. Uh, uh, we should go to the caller. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. And right now, we'd like to go to our caller. Your last four numbers are 8930. 8930. Welcome to Africa on the Moon. Your questions or comments? Caller. Um. What was the question? <clears throat> was it about capitalism? The question is, huh? who is more who is responsible for the behavior of these six-year-old, ten-year-old youth who acted out against the teachers? About the six-year-old. And now being persecuted 
for their behavior. I'll be blaming victims and not looking at the real corporate of all of these so-called crimes and behaviors that are not natural behaviors yeah. in terms of human beings interacting with one another. Capitalism has a history, has a way, has a structure to invert things. It's also very sophisticated by covering up its flaws and reinventing themselves. Who shall more responsibility of these behaviors that you stand among these youth today who have not even grown up yet to even know what life is? Well, who shall that blame the government? Well, I can't really point the blame on either the parents or the government, and everything is structured around society and capitalism does play a part in everything and aspect and in every aspect and and it's like if you can't produce and be essential to society then if you, it's like you really don't matter in society so and I want to make another comment about the food, how scarce, and the high prices. And no matter how many jobs you work, it never seems to be enough. And you also, back to, also I want to reach back and say, you know, you have two parent households, both of them working, trying to provide for the children. So the children are left alone or left in for society, the school system, to raise their children. So that's another way of conforming them to the ways of society. And homelessness is a problem also. I see so many elders and veterans who sleeping in dirt on the ground. It's ridiculous. Why our government handing over billions and billions over to other countries to keep wars going and won't even take care of their own people here at home who them retired and worked all their life and can't even have a roof over their head. And also another thing needs to be addressed. Some people homeless because they want to be but some people not are homeless because they just can't afford it, even working two jobs. Because, listen here, now, a lady wants to apply for a place to live, but they tell everywhere they go they want three times the income, three times the income of whatever the apartment is. So that that puts makes a lot of people homeless also. But everything is designed, I believe, you know, and the government has a lot to do with these issues that's going on. So and also another one to make another thing. You know they have food pantries for people to go and get food but just because people are homeless, and I've seen this for myself, 
I didn't went to a food pantry before. The food is not up to par. It's not even fit to, for anybody to even be eaten. They're giving them people old molded bread and expired food. I understand they're trying to help people, but at the same time, you just don't give people anything, stuff like that to eat. I think, Carla, all what you just said is a continuation in terms of how deceptive and how they flip things upside down to give the appearance of doing good when they actually know they're doing evil. That is a good example you just stated. But what I would like to do right now, quick with, a, with our panelists, I would like to then respond to a statement that you made, which I think is a very important statement that we all must come in and grapple with and try to find a solution to. And we talk about logically thinking and doing things in the interest not only for yourself but for all human, human, human beings. And that statement that you made, I thought would be interesting. I'd like my parents to respond to it. It's a, statement, it's a statement of some people choose to be homeless. Now, what does that mean in society when people choose to be homeless? And do people think that's a, that's a true statement? Brother Hackey, how do you respond to that? Well, I mean, given the human imperative is to live uh, or to survive, to say that someone wants to be subjected to the elements, uh, I think that's a stretch. I don't think most people, if given the option, would prefer to be in the cold or the rain or the snow as opposed to somewhere comfortable and warm, uh, you know. So this notion that people want to be homeless is, is a capitalist invention. So capitalists routinely say that, well, you know, uh, people, you know, if they wanted to be uh, in the home, they could. They, they want to be out there. But they never seem to provide any information in terms of justifying that position that people want to be homeless. No one wants to be homeless. I mean, let's, let's be very, very clear on that point. In fact, you know, one of the things that we have to understand is that, you know, when we talk about, you know, um, those things that human, that human beings should be endowed with, one of those things have to be home, home I mean, someplace to live. Shelter is a human necessity. If, in fact, we're all about the notion in terms of the rights of human beings, then one of the things we have to, we have to establish is the right to, uh, to shelter. In that context, you know, um, you know, I'm not talking about shelter in the context where you're talking about, you know, some, 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 some place that they put up that between the hours of, you know, between the hours of, of 5 to, 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 between the hours of 5 to 12, you know, uh, you can, you know, well, between hours of 5 to 9, you can check in, but by 7 in the morning, you got to check out. That, for me, that's not shelter. I'm talking about a bona fide home. And here's the thing. Because the because you when all the abandoned properties that exist in the society, uh, the question in terms of people being without shelter, it's really a non-issue. The question is a question. The question really boils down to uh, uh, a, 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 a concern for people who find themselves, you know, subject to the elements. I think to a large extent, people, you know, who missions in terms of being about some kind of redress or simply a change in kind of policy, we have homelessness. I realize that, uh, you know, for them, you know, uh, having shelters in place is all about the bottom line. It's not about what is in the best interest of humanity. But this notion that people want to be out there in the cold other than the elements, I, I think that's a stretch. I don't think nobody wants to be out there in the element. Uh, even if people have psychological issues, those psychological issues to a large extent are the direct manifestation of the conditions that they have to endure, and some people are not strong enough to contend with those conditions. 
So even so, even if they are in fact mentally off, they still have a right as a human being to shelter. And I close with that. So, Dalila, your response is there a natural behavior where you think human beings will want to be homeless? Your response is Eleanor. No. Um, I have to say, no. But what's happened, as Brother Haki stated, is that no one wants to be homeless. And this check-in at 7 and check-out at 7 and all the rules and regulations and the wraparound services and the invasive behavior that people are subjected to and what with this insta, um, institutionalized uh, programs, you know, food distribution has become institutionalized, as the sister said. You know, it, it it's really uh, it's really a sham. These are just people distributing food out of the goodness of their heart. These aren't community pantries that that she's talking about. These are nonprofits who um, have volunteers and employees who distribute food. And as she said, you can, some of them are distributing molded bread and other things, and workers will tell you, oh, penicillin comes from mold on bread. Didn't you know that's good for you? And, uh, you know, uh, this this is, this is a real problem. You know, people don't want to be homeless. People don't choose to be homeless. This is some type of capitalist uh, FBI. I, the FBI is, what, 94 years old? They've been at this propaganda for a long time of polarizing and dividing people. And um, the um, the article last week, Brother, uh, just to mentioned to Brother Moses um, in uh, segment four under socializing, and socialization is where they talked about how the stratification and how to divide people, not by color. They weren't talking by color, Brother Moses, but they were talking about how to stratify blacks with certain information and this and to keep them from communicating and educating and sharing with others like people, like minds like background, like themselves, and it just obviously didn't happen. Um, But, no, homelessness is not a choice. People resolve themselves after so long, so socially acceptable, until they had adapted after the the, uh, demonstrations of the 99% where they were able to show the homeless how you could get tents and proper camping gear, and at least you didn't have to freeze to death that very night. But now the government, the local municipalities in many areas have outlawed that. And like here in Washington, D.C., you saw iron bunkers being set up uh, and 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 uh, homeless communities being just dismantled because it was an inconvenience for some to walk down another street or use another sidewalk. 
And uh, it's really outrageous how we're addressing people as a community. But no, homelessness is clearly not something any human being chooses for themselves or their family. And hunger isn't either. But these are growing problems in the United States. And as the caller said, you can work two and three jobs. And the other thing she said was very important goes back to the tablets. The tablets have become the babysitters for the working class because they can't afford karate classes, painting classes, dance classes, experimental science classes, naturalist classes. They can't afford these things for their children. They just want their children to be peaceful and not disturbing the neighbor uh, with these inferior products that the U.S. imports in building this housing that's unaffordable to everyone. And it, it's, it's an outrage. Now, you see the youth, uh, they graduate from college and they can power up two, three in an apartment, sometimes four in a one-bedroom apartment, and they figure out how to make it work because it beats the street. But no, homelessness is a growing problem in cities and the countryside across America. And the protection, uh, there were several houses in the District of Columbia where uh, they were vacant, and uh, a group of students at George Washington University had found the rightful heirs to these properties, but they had been purchased in a a tax auction by others. And uh, so the rightful heirs had moved in, and the then local council member uh, resolved that problem by bulldozing all of the properties, having the rightful heirs evicted, saving the tax uh, uh, purchasers, the the people that purchased the deeds, and then demolishing the property, laying fertile ground for development. And you see that all along the H Street corridor in, in the nation's capital, as well as Benning Road. So, you know, capitalism is at work. And uh, you just heard the mayor, Muriel Bowser, in her her third inauguration address talk about taking downtown buildings that are sitting vacant all over the District of Columbia. Not one homeless shelter was open in one of them during the pandemic. And talking about moving in 100,000 more residents in a city that's already uh, three-quarters of a million people that was built for a quarter million people. How are we accomplishing that? By demolishing strong, structurally sound buildings that should have historic merit to the city, to the nation, uh, and building up this miserable inferior buildings uh, along the historic 9th Street corridor. You see seven-story hotels. You see the convention center where the uh, 
Biden held his uh, conference with the African, 49 African states. But no, no one chooses to be hungry, and this is a manifestation of the imperialist, capitalist imperialist state of the United States of America, not a reality of human time. Okay, since Eleanor, we run out of time. I'm going to ask one quick question for you and my guest, and we're going to be closing out the program. Keeping up this nature of the discussion, many people will critique and look at capitalism. They have come to some kind of general understanding that capitalism is a mental disease. All systems that have its principal core or exploring human beings for advancement of themselves is a form of a disease and it needs a cure. What is your critique of that statement that capitalism itself is a mental disease? Brother Hackey? Yeah, well, Brother Africa, I, I long held that, um, you know, to be a capitalist is to be sociopathic. Uh, you have to have some real defect when it comes to uh, regard to other human beings to endorse such a system. You talk about a centralist system which is diametrically, which, which, is, which is set up specifically for the whole point in terms of exploitation of your fellow human being. In fact, to the extent that you can, you can exploit other human beings uh, defines, you know, you as a human being. So that in and of itself is, 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 is fundamentally uh, uh, problematic. Uh, I think that any time you have a system like capitalism, which says that, you know, you're going to rig a system and show that you have immense wealth, where, whereas, you know, 90%, 95% of the population have access to no wealth, but you're comfortable with such a scenario. Keep in mind that such a scenario is not only debilitating or destructive to the economic system at hand, but it's equally destructive to the masses of people, that 95% of the population, who don't have the things that human beings need to exist. To be proud of such a system, you've got to be sociopathic. You've got to be sociopathic. There's no way under the world you can justify capitalism. Even capitalists themselves make no bone. They, they don't go around bragging about their capitalists. You won't hear most of them say, I'm a capitalist. Most of them don't say that. You know, they play down that aspect of capitalism. And I understand why they play it down. Because if you sit down and you do a rudimentary uh, analysis in terms of what capitalism is all about, it brings out the worst in people. And so why would you want to be, uh, oversee a system which fundamentally brings out the worst in people? And when people attempt to elevate humanity, to make a better humanity, to make better human beings, you attack them or you destroy them. We once talked about the fact that with the situation where these, these people uh, out of Belgium would actually, not only did they, uh, did they kill Patrice Lumumba, but they put his body parts, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, in storage. And you ask yourself, what the, what the hell kind of human being would do such a thing? Well, my position always being that this, this, that kind of behavior is, 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 is antithetical to what it is to be a human being. In other words, to even think on that level means that you've got to be something, that you see yourself as something less than a human being. Capitalism is a wicked, wicked system. And what amazes me is that when you look at in terms of the kind of atrocity, the kind of uh, inequities, the kind of evil associated with capitalism, and the kind of destruction that it does, I'm often uh, amazed at people who are poor who embrace such a system. So either they embrace that system because they, in, they identify with the tenants in terms of the destructiveness of that system, 
or they don't really understand how the system operates. So they're under some illusion that, in fact, that what they see is, is simply uh, a, some type of an illusion that the real capitalism is much more uh, a, a compassionate, much more concerned with the plight of human beings. But I tell you, my position is, Brother Africa, capitalism is a disease. I mean, there's no question about that. And so, you know, I know that for some people that may be harsh, but the bottom line is that this kind of in, this kind of inequality, the kind of suffering, the kind of despair that exists in society doesn't have to exist. The question becomes, why is a small group of people are content to perpetuate such a system uh, under the guise that perpetuating such a system uh, makes them look better? But then on the, other, on the flip side of that argument is that it doesn't make you look better. It makes you look less human. And so why would you relegate or why would you, why, why would you take comfort and, 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 and being perceived as something less than a human being? In order to embrace such a, a, such, a, a, such, such a characterization, then it seems to me that on some level you have to think as something less than a human being. So in my position, yes, capitalism is, is, is the equivalent of sociopathy. And I'll close with that. So is that a norm, two or three-minute response? Do we see capitalism in all its various forms? Was it under disguise of imperialism, Zionism, neocolonialism, systems that principally see the essence of exploiting mankind and womankind? Is essence we're talking about it being a disease? Does Eleanor? Capitalism, capitalism, social imperialism, fascism is uh, appeal to the mob. As Brother Haki said, you see the poor work class embracing capitalism. You see the middle class because they have a job, a home, a nice car embracing capitalism. The capitalism as has been said by the panelists repeatedly is about it's about profit. It's about a surplus labor economy. Surplus labor economy means you must have those who will not work, will not be housed, will not eat. That's what it means in our culture. So I would say you can call that a social disease when that becomes acceptable. To the masses, yeah, it's a brainwashing. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. And and you see it, Brother Africa, with these assassinations of masses of children and blacks and Jews by these young people, eighteen to twenty years old or twenty-two years old. It's 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 a sickness. And the social media that's feeding it. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. We're going to Brother Moses again. We're going to check out caller. Caller 8937. We'll give you a chance to make the final response on this last question. Brother Moses? Yes, fascist capitalism is uh, a social disease. Uh, as a political scientist, you know. It's been analyzed by Marx and uh, and diagnosed and uh, and prescribed the, what the solution is socialism and uh, so you know 
we we understand it's a disease and uh it's it's manifests itself on a lot of different levels in, in uh, racism, sexism, chauvinism, Zionism, imperialism. It all manifests itself. Uh, imperialism is the highest stage of capitalism. And so what is imperialism? There is capitalism. Uh, I'll just leave it right there. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Mosey. To that caller. Eight nine three zero. The question is: Capitalism a mental disease? Your response before we do our final closing out statements. Call eight nine three zero. Yeah, I totally agree. It's definitely a mental disease because it cares nothing about humanity. So, and when I mentioned about homeless, not one. some people choose to be homeless. It's because of capitalism. It's a mental illness that they are unable to seek help for. And doors, by them having that mental illness, it makes them appear to not want to be, not want to be homeless. Oh, I can't get it out. It appears to want to be homeless, which that's not the case. It's just a mental illness that they're not being able to seek help with. So it's definitely uh, capitalism is a mental illness because it's a humanity crisis going on, and it all revolves around capitalism, and that's my take on that. Thank you, Carlo. You're listening to Africa on the Move, Brother Africa as your host. You have just gotten a vote from Africa on the Move. Africa on the Move, collectively tonight, have taken the position that capitalism is a mental disease and can't cure itself. Right now, we're going to take a rubber share culture break, and when we come back, we're going to have our closing mark on today's program with the first part of, the, of a two-part series. Africa is the center of the world. This is Africa on the moon.
respeto y actitud, estamos sobrados, somos ricos y sigo respetando al rato de Puerto Rico, al cubano, al colombiano, mexicano y español, pero lo de nosotros sale del corazón, con sentimiento, con talento, violento, ojo, no con armas, sino con conocimiento, el intelecto emana de los foros, te metes en internet y lo ves en los foros, es sabiduría, aunque muchos locos piensen que son habladurías, pero que primero fondo la ciencia mía, para que después hablen como comadre chismosa, yo te escribo en verso y en prosa, no soy Alice en el país de las maravillas, estamos claros, te portas mal, te atribillas, te hacen papillas, es que eso es obvio, o eres ángel o eres demonio, ni nino, o eres ángel o eres demonio, quiero a toda la gente con las manos arriba, ¿dónde están los latinos con las manos arriba? Que vive el hip hop con las manos arriba, ¿Qué? con las manos arriba, que viva la cultura con las manos arriba, el deporte con las manos arriba, Venezuela con las manos arriba, ¿Qué? ¿Qué? sentimiento, sabor, rumba, corazón, la salsa retumba, retumba el tambor, no se te olvida el coroco, recuerda el folclore, te lo digo el rap, crece la tensión, ritmo caribeño, se siente el calor, esta es música de calle, al que no le gusta que vaya a llorar para el valle, es música con estilo, tú estás claro así que solo dilo, Criollas como comerse una arepa, volar papagayo, llámalo, cometa, tropo perinola que te ruchen las metras, música venezolana y todo lo que sean en Venezuela, no solo es un ritmo, escucha las letras, tan criollo como que te vean y te digan epa, que te choquen las manos, al final del día, dale, hablamos, y lo que más me alegra, la gente latina siempre será gente negra. Comandante, te amo. Que Dios te bendiga. ¿Dónde está Maranta? El Amaranta y el Pinky, ¿dónde están? ¿No? La cantera. We'd like to welcome you back to Africa on the Move on the 8th of January, 2023. This is part one of two-part series, Good at the Center of the World. We'll be making our closing remarks for today's program, but we would like to remind you, the listening audience and supporters, that Africa on the Move is a weekly program that airs every Sunday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, U.S. This year for 2023, New Year, we'd like to increase our listenership. And the only way we can do that is for you to join in and help us spread the word. Let your network, your brothers and sisters, uh, the various institutions that you work with, they come and join us that they can hear us by Blog Talk TV, by typing in Africa on the Moon, or calling in and listening in every Sunday at 3 o'clock at 323-679-0841. We'd like to be a listenership for this year to go over 200,000 people per week. And we can do that with your participation. Also, if you'd like to become a friend and a member of this particular radio program, please email us at africaornamoo2 at gmail.com. And like always, 
We are no we cannot be no more effective than the nature of the support relationship that we create with our communities and our people. That is how that is we need you and you need us. Let's go ahead and do this natural partnership so we can go further down the road towards our liberation. And in fact we have stated that we also want to remind you about our historical necessities of learning from history, which has taught us that where there is economic dependency, there can never be no freedom. That is that we need your support. If you'd like to support this radio station, the work that we are doing, as well as our upcoming tour to Cuba, we ask you that you can make a cash app to dollar sign capital L, small e, small e, small c, small r, small o, small b, or email us and we can give you other methods on how you can make a contribution if you cannot make it through the method of cash out. We thank you. We need your support. Come help build this institution. This is an institution for our people. Yes, we may be in the seat, and we're going to take the heat. As we define it, we're going to stand behind it. We may not give you what you want, but we do our best to give you what you need. We will speak truth to the powerful and the powerless. So come and join us. Because we found out when you work for the people, and once the people is organized, all things are possible. We are trusting you. So come and support the station. Come and join us. And remind everybody, the place to be, is to tune in or ever go on the move every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. So at this point in time, we're going back to our political panelists and analysts, and we're going to get their final thoughts on today's program, Africa is the Center of the World, Part 1. We come to you, Brother Moses, your final thoughts for today. All right. New democracy is what the struggle is all about. I hope I'm helping someone see the light. The rest of you are already enlightened, so I'm not trying to preach to the choir, but to those lost people who need to know the direction of history. Dr. King was in the race for the cure of racism within the USA. Someday the story will be fully told. Malcolm X was the leader who showed me the way, i.e. we were to have civil rights by any means necessary. He was red. There was to be the ballot or the bullet. Foreign policy is a continuation of domestic policy. You have to remember the time. The USA was opposing communists viciously. They were assassinating our brothers who were conscious in Africa and throughout the third world. Malcolm and Martin were Afrocentric and committed to liberation and opposed to injustice everywhere. As Mao said, communists must have largeness of heart to put the needs of the many above the needs of the few, including I and I. Obviously, those were not as Mao's exact words. If a genuine revolutionary makes a mistake, then you can charge it to their mind and not to their heart at the risk of sounding ridiculous. Does anyone start to build without a plan, without a vision or a dream? No, first you measure the cost and decide if it's worth it. Longevity has its place. We forward in this generation triumphantly. Sometimes you have to realize that you cannot get blood from a turnip. You either accept the turnip or you don't. We communists hate evil and love good. 
This is not the time to question our faith. Either you're part of the solution or you're part of the problem. As Martin said, we want all our rights. We want them here, and we want them now. I love the 99% in struggle. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. Next, we'll make our transition to Sister Eleanor. Your final thoughts. Thank you, Brother Africa. I'd like to thank my fellow analysts and the listeners and our caller this evening for a very, very enlightening show. And as Brother Moses said, you know, they were killing our brothers abroad and here. Malcolm was assassinated. Dr. King was assassinated. George Hampton was assassinated. Assassination was a global phenomenon for people of African descent, both in the United States and abroad. Capitalism is clearly a disease, as was uh, overwhelmingly decided on this evening's show. I'd just like to thank you, wishing everyone uh, in advance a happy Dr. King holiday and to remind everyone that uh, the love of the people is what it's about. And we must organize. And voting is a tool. It is not the answer. And remember, we must think globally and act locally. That's very important. Standing in solidarity with the people of Palestine, of Brazil, of Cuba, the Cuba Revolution, long live the Cuba Revolution. And remember, December 1st, Rosa Parks sat down on that bus in 1959 and she started a revolution. And that Ida B. Wells, the first owner of a woman to own a newspaper in the United States started a conscious raising around lynching and that we must work together to bring about change, a political and economic change, which is the demise of the capitalist economy to a worker based economy to a socialist economy. Thank you so much to the caller, to you, Brother Africa, to you, Brother Haiki, and you also, Brother Moses. Thank you and good night. And we'd like to say thank you, Sister Elnor, and good night to you. Brother Haiki, your final thoughts for tonight. Well, uh, you know, I, I certainly hope, um, you know, uh, people are beginning to get the idea that there's something fundamentally skewed in terms of what's going on in society. You know, one of the things when we talk about, you know, the inordinate amount of power uh, that uh, the wealthy uh, enjoy at the expense of the many, we all understand that, you know, power can be used for good or power can be used for, for negative. Unfortunately, in the context of capitalism, power is used for the negative. In that regard, when we talk about the the indispensable rights or the indispensable needs of human beings, whether it be food, shelter, housing, education, and so forth, when we talk about those things fundamentally being the right to human beings, you have a system in place that says those things are not a right. 
those things are privileges, are privilege. Even though the capitalists won't come out and say, most of them won't come out and say that it's a privilege, the bottom line is when you look in terms of how the system functions, the implication is clearly that these things that people need are a function of a privilege. In other words, if you don't have money, you don't have, you, you shouldn't have access to food, shelter, housing, education, simply because you don't have access to money. That's very, very ironic, given a system that fundamentally uh, impoverishes its people by giving the money to a small group of people to increase their investments, to, create, to increase their holdings, who in turn take, the, take that wealth, put it offshore, enjoy big investments, more money for themselves, which they put offshore and, and set back and, uh, you know, and, and watch the, the economy deteriorates. It is, you know, it is a real irony. So I think it's important that people understand, you know, we, and one of the real struggles for all of us, I think we, and Brother Moses alluded to this, we have to start thinking in terms of just humanity. Uh, you know, one of the reasons why I keep saying over and over again that humanity goes back to Africa is not to say that because color has any significance, but it is to say that we're all one species, just one species. That's all we are. And the moment we can come to that realization, then we, we become less uh, prone to be manipulated by a system which not only uh, uh, historically has misrepresented the truth, but continues to mis- misrepresent the truth, you know, uh, currently. So, you know, in, in terms of community, uh, one of the things when we talk about the oppression that exists, it has very real implications, you know, for that community. In the African community, if we can figure out a way to terms of concretely coming together to create those conditions that are favorable to the the, the minds of our children, to their abilities, to their self-esteem or self-worth, if we can't create those conditions, then we can't be surprised that we have a system out there which is dimension opposed to the interests of these children, creating conditions which brings the worst out of our children. We have to understand that very, very clearly. So we have a vested obligation. We should have a vested obligation in terms of making sure we create those conditions. But in all of us to create those conditions, first and foremost, we have to fundamentally understand we have to change our mindset. We have to understand that we are all victims of the capitalist system. And as such, we internalize certain values, certain ideas in terms of capitalism. We cannot empower our people as long as we embrace those ideas. So one of the first things we've got to do, we have to fundamentally reject capitalist ideas. Because without rejection of those capitalist ideas, there's no way conceivable that we're going to create the conditions that are favorable to our children because we're talking about a system which infects pits one against the other. So if my family is doing okay, then I'm told by, by virtue of capitalism that I don't give a damn about your family and vice versa. So under that pretext, under the, under the conditions, there's no way conceivable that we can work together to create an idea conditions for our children. So we must reject capitalist, um, uh, uh, capitalist, uh, pre, uh, capitalist uh, ideas. Now, having said that, Brother Africa has always encouraged people, you know, to unravel the matrix. I mean, the bottom line is that the, the kind of hope that we hope to see is not going to come anytime soon. It's a protracted struggle. Uh, but nonetheless, it's a struggle that we must undertake. And I encourage people in the African community and communities throughout the country uh, to, 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 to give, deal with this question in terms of, you know, what can we do in terms of the uplifting of humanity? To what extent should we critique the society? To what extent so should we work together in terms of overturning such a diabolical and, and vicious system? Uh, to the extent that we, we, we begin to understand that our commonality or our common humanity demands it, I think we'd be well on our way in terms of creating the kind of uh, organizations, the kind of conditions that are favorable to humanity so we can put an end once and to all 
once and for all to this insanity known as capitalism. Having said that, Brother Africa, you have a good night. We'll see you next week. And you do the same, Brother Hakeem. You've been listening to Africa on the Move and the collective, collective conclusion that we have reached tonight is that capitalism is a mental disease and we must become the doctors and find a cure to this disease. As we continue to struggle for truth, we will be able to do that. We'd like to remind you next week will be part two of this series, Africa is the Center of the World, where we talk a little bit about the issue of the climate change and the weather and the environment, the essential role Africa has played, has played and will play in terms of resolving this particular crisis. One of the points that will come from one of the documents that we discussed, they talk about the issue that the global crisis on climate cannot be solved by America alone. Moore said not only does Africa represent dozens of votes when it comes to an international agreement, it has the resources, and repeat that, it has the resources necessarily to wane human civilization of carbon-based fuel. So again, we talk about the word center, we talk about nucleus. We will discuss this further. We would like for you to join us. Spread the word next Sunday at 7 p.m. as we discuss part two. Africa is the center of the world. So again, we appear for you to come and join us along with the African Women Association to our funeral ride tour to Cuba from January the 23rd to the 30th. For more information, you only have two days to confirm your seat at the minimum. You must act now. You can email Africa Awareness Association 2 at Gmail. Or call 804-549-7492-714-9435. Definitely look forward to having exchange at the 5th International Conference for World Balance, where you have the academic community you displaying information and discussion on what we can do to make a better, more just world, as well as learning film advice that changing these good cultural expressions at the Havana Jazz Festival. So our two items on some of the activities that will be involved in this tour, this feeding ride, and you can't go support and join it by making a donation to the African Women Association by sending a cash app to capital A R small E small E small C small R small O small B. So until next time next week, we ask you to continue to strive to go forward ever backwards never backwards never forward ever Backwards down, and remember, Africa will be free, unified, and socialist. Until next time, we will play you some liberation, revolutionary music, 15, 20 minutes, and we'll like to remind the rest of the world to our brothers and sisters in Palestine 
with Palestine as well, lead us freedom. So until next time, let's continue to do the right thing and speak truth to the powerful and the powerless. This has been Africa on the Moon. And we look forward to seeing you next Sunday. Join us. If you think of the Middle East in this modern time, you can't help but say the word Palestine. People there have lost their land. Some have lost their home. They live in other countries, their freedom almost gone. Palestine Palestine. needs her freedom. freedom. Palestine Palestine. needs our love. Needs our love. Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. There seems to be no answer to give us the reason why people cannot live so no one has to die. We've got to take a stand for freedom, take a stand for truth. Take a stand for justice, that's what we've got to do. Cause Palestine Palestine needs her freedom. freedom. Palestine Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love.
agua, miro los ojos a ver qué me dan, cuando yo quiero salir a bailar, siempre me protege el agua, yo llamo a mi lengua buquenque, y él me responde a buquenque, viene que viene mi lengua, con su tambor en su guapa. the waters from Benin to Salvador Bahia, a scar across the face of the earth, Palerino, the place they brought the Africans, the place where they tried to make them slaves, Palerino, you can feel the whip, hear the cries and see the blood in the red clay, the clay that holds the stones together is African. 
and each stone is a bone from a people called slaves. Pellerino was the place where death came to dwell. His neighbors did not complain, for he was a way out. From the cold, gray, cobblestone streets to the lifeless cathedrals, tall walls of demons called angels, haunted visions of white faces crucifying Jesus again and again. But in the sacrifice of this blood, of this dance with death, comes life more rich, more pure, more alive, where death spent many lonely nights pacing the floors of his funeral parlor, waiting for someone to die. Pellerino, a French word called the place of torture, became a place of strength, a place where faces of white saints became faces of black gods, where haunted visions and demons became healing visionaries and orishas from the motherland. And Jesus rejoined his kinfolk and was reborn and baptized in the sound of sensual skin turned up to dance, to inspire a fire like the sun pronouncing his presence. Pellerino was the tongue of the flame, licking the eyes of those who have tried to remain blind, shining a light on a spirit that would not be denied. No, the chains did not break the spirit, did not enslave the music of my soul, did not shackle the will of my freedom, did not tarnish the glow of my gold, and all the Pellerinos in Africa, in Europe, in North and South America cannot destroy the majesty of my people, the love of my people, shining like the sun everywhere we go, everywhere we go. light is clear, oh how beautiful I will be, to know that I've been here, and made it through my journey, yeah, and made it through my journey, yeah, 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 yeah.
watch your step Cause you never know where the night will go And they ain't missed yet The song survives
Africa is where my heart
dernier de ma famille. ma famille Évidemment que je me débrouiller Je suis seul dans un appartement vite J'ai pas de quoi me faire des débrouiller Je me tiens la tête devant mon poster Suis-je un imposteur Dois changer de posture J'hésite Dois changer de couleur Ou me laisser couler Ou prendre un couleur J'hésite Mon bébé vient bas Dès qu'elle descend Dois lui donner la mort N'a pas en descente Tout ce que je fais n'a aucun sens Qu'est-ce que je suis censé faire Car c'est sans visu Je comprends pas son nez, je casse sa pointe honnête. Oui, j'ai sonné. J'ai mis la charrue avant les bœufs, les sur j'ai cassé. J'étais de rattraper le temps. J'ai foncé dans le mur, me croyant ainsi. J'ai oublié qu'il était en béton. Je suis complexé, t'as vu. À la longue, ça devient en béton. Je me sens prêté pour pression. Je me sens obligé d'ôter le son. Mets dans la cocotte minou Car je pense tout dans le loto Je me rangeais son à chaque minute J'ai pas quoi faire à les deux Je suis seul dans ma cour Le temps passe le bout Puis je suis seul dans ma cour Je l'avoue Tombé bien bas Les cahiers descendent Dois-je lui donner la mort N'a pas en descente Tout ce que je fais n'a aucun sens Qu'est-ce que je suis censé faire Car c'est sans idée j'ai mis la charrue avant les bœufs, les sur j'ai gâté, j'étais de rattraper le temps. J'ai foncé dans le mur, me croyant ainsi, j'ai oublié qu'il était en béton. Je suis complexé, t'as vu, à la longue, ça devient embêtant. Je me sens prêté sous pression, je me sens obligé d'ôter le son. But I don't remember when 
And every time we get to where we're entering I feel my beliefs and hope surrendering But I know I'll be coming home soon Yes, I know I'll be coming home soon Like the enemies that we are battling I am nothing but a human alien Left with nothing else but to keep wandering Down this path while stopping my hands trembling Because I know That I'll be coming home soon And yes I know that I'll be coming home soon With a soldier's eyes With a soldier's eyes With a soldier's eyes With a soldier's eyes I've seen inside the devil's dreams Where young men die In graveyards open up their arms For mothers left to cry I have seen the bleeding and I hear what we've done But just like every other fool here I'll keep marching on Because I know That I'll be coming home soon And yes I know That I'll be coming home soon With a soldier's eye with a soldier's eyes With a soldier's eyes With a soldier's
Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Carry the bat, one of them inside Look like that, them calling him na ITT Say I'm, say I'm Them go they cause confusion Cause corruption Cause oppression Cause inflation Them go they cause oppression Cause confusion Cause corruption Cause inflation Cause oppression Cause confusion Cause inflation Cause oppression Oppression, oppression, inflation, corruption, oppression, inflation. Them get one style way that they use. Them go pick one African man. A man with low mentality. Them go give a million naira bread. To become a high position here. Him go bribe some thousand naira bread. To become one you see let chief Like rap they do them go they do from corner corner Passy passy under under passy passy side side Passy passy in in passy passy out out Passy passy pee 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 passy passy in in Passy passy corner corner passy passy under under Passy passy side side Passy passy up up Passy passy corner corner Passy passy under then he gradually, 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 then he gradually, 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 them go be friend, friend to journalist, be friend, friend to commission, a friend, friend to permanent secretary, friend, friend to minister, friend, friend to head of state, then start, start to steal money, start, start them corruption, start, start them inflation, start, start them oppression, start, start them confusion, start, start them oppression, start, start to steal money, start, start to steal money, like Oba Sojo and Abiola. Diamonds are ripped from the earth 
right next to the slave castles where the water is cut. From where police brutality's not half as nice. It makes the hood in America look like paradise. Compared to the AIDS infested Caribbean slum, African streets with a passports and American gun. From where they massacre people and try to keep it quiet. And spend the next 25 years trying to deny it. Up from where they cut your hands off if you make a fit. A nigga stole coca cause the job market doesn't exist. No. Except slave labor, modern day company store. And peacekeepers don't ever, ever, ever come here no more. From where the bombs that they used to drop were Vietnam. Still have children born, deformed, eight months before they gone. I'm from where they lost the full meaning of the Quran. Cause heroin is not compatible with Islam. And niggas know that, but throw that poppy seed anyway. Cause that food drop parachute does not come every day. I'm from where people pray to the gods that they call. And practically every president's a money launderer From where the only place democracy's acceptable Is if America's candidate is electable And they might even have a black president But he's useless Cause he does not control the economy Stupid lock and load your gun Where I'm from the third world Sign to many places But I'm third world born Gorillas didn't run Where I'm from the third world Son, you polluted everything And now the third world's gone Water's poisoned Where I'm from the third world Son, 700 children Died by the end of the revolution to come where I'm from the third world Sun constant occupation leaves the third world I'm from where the Catholic Church is some racist shit They help Europe and America rape this bitch They pray to white Spanish Jesus whose face is this But never talk about the black Pope Galatius I'm from where Soviet weapons still decide elections Militaries like the Mafia, you pay for protection Catamite sex clauses with the country sell And rich white businessmen make the best clientele I'm from where they too pussy to come film survivor And they murder Coca-Cola union organizers I'm from where the justice system is stopped Fuck government, niggas, politic over perico Rebelde conocido, enterrado vivo Como otro argentino desaparecido Cause Rico laws don't apply to the CIA And motherfuckers make sneakers for a quarter a day I'm from where they overthrow democratic leaders Not for the people, but for the Wall Street Journal readers From where blacks, indigenous peoples, and Asians Were once slaves of the Caucasians And it's amazing how they trained them To be racist against themselves in the place they was raised and you kept us caged in Destroyed our culture and said that you civilized us Raped our women and when we were born You despised us Gentrified us, agent provocateur divide us And crucified every revolutionary messiah So I'm a start of global riot It's not even your fake Anti-communist dictators can keep quiet Fuck your charity medicine trying to murder me The immunizations you gave us were full of mercury So now I see the third world like the rap game soldier Nationalize the industry and take it over Lock and Load your gun where I'm from the third world Sign to many places but I'm third world born Gorillas didn't run where I'm from the third world Son, you polluted everything and now the third world The water's poisoned where I'm from the third world Son, 700 children died by the end of the storm. Revolution will come where I'm from the third world Son, constant occupation leaves the third world
put one hand before
Come dance with me, Jehovah. 